We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. And before we begin today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Some anniversaries since our last live episode two weeks ago, the first issue of Marvel Comics' Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, was released 50 years ago on March 21, 1972, created by Archie Goodwin, George Tuska, and John Romita, and Roy Thomas, Cage was Marvel's third black superhero and second African-American superhero. Tom Baddock's Funky Winkerbean comic strip debuted 50 years ago on March 27, 1972. Detective Comics 27 featuring the first appearance of Batman was released 83 years ago on March 30, 1939. Dave Stevens' Rocketeer debuted 40 years ago in April of 1982 in Pacific Comics' Star Slayer No. 2. A live-action motion picture adaptation of Voltron Defender of the Universe is currently in development. The film is slated to be directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber, who will co-write the screenplay with Ellen Shanman. A sequel to Godzilla vs. Kong is scheduled to start filming later this year in Australia. No details are available about the currently untitled film. More information on this as it becomes available. A publisher's annotated copy of the first Marvel comic book sold at auction on March 17th for $2.4 million by online auction house Comic Connect. The comic featured the first appearances of Namor the Submariner and the Android Human Torch. Originally printed in 1939, this particular copy is especially valuable as it is what is called the pay copy, in which the publisher recorded the payments he owed to the illustrators. This copy remained hidden in a file cabinet, undiscovered until the early 1990s. It had belonged to Lloyd Jaquette, who founded Funnies, Inc., which sold comic book stories and artwork to publishers. On the cover and seven of the pages, Mr. Jaquette wrote how much he owed artists, including Frank R. Paul, who was paid $25 for the cover illustration. The purchaser remains anonymous. Marvel Studios has announced development of a solo Nova project by screenwriter Sabir Perzada. No word yet whether it will be developed as a Disney Plus limited series or a feature film. Prezada is one of the writers for the Moon Knight series that premiered earlier this week on Disney Plus. The Nova Corps has previously appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy. Welcome to Derry, a prequel to It, based on the novel by Stephen King, 
is in development at HBO Max. Andy Muschietti is set to executive produce with Jason, Jason Fuchs, excuse me, writing. Denis Villeneuve's Dune was the winner of six Academy Awards last weekend. The blockbuster adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction classic took home Oscars for original score, visual effects, cinematography, editing, production design, and sound. The James Webb Space Telescope has successfully completed another stage of instrument alignment. NASA reported that all but one of the telescope's instruments have now been properly aligned. In fact, the instrument adjustment has been so successful that engineers determined they don't need to realign Webb's secondary mirror, which had been an option if they determined anything was out of line. One last phase of multi-instrument alignment, as NASA terms the process, will take place after the telescope's final instrument cools. The telescope is currently undergoing a multi-phase, six-month-long commissioning period to precisely align its mirrors and instruments to capture faint light from the universe. Falling temperatures somewhat complicate the process, as these components may behave or align differently once they reach the temperatures of deep space, which is why NASA has room for more adjustments. Engineers are awaiting the cool-down of Webb's Mid-Infrared Instrument, or MIRI, which requires ultra-cool or cryogenic temperatures to pick up on infrared heat signatures of distant objects, be they exoplanets or galaxies in birth. Once the telescope can focus its light successfully in each instrument, the agency plans a key decision meeting to confirm the process of alignment is complete. The team will then transition from alignment to commissioning each, each instrument for scientific operations. A program of early science, also known as Cycle 1, is expected to begin in June, with Cycle 2, operational science, expected to begin in mid-2023. Some sad news last week as Gary Leach passed away on March 26th. The British comic artist and publisher was known for his work on Marvel Man and Judge Dredd. He was an Eagle and Eisner Award winner and established Atomica Press. He was 67. The Batman finally relinquished first place at the domestic box office again last weekend. It came in second to The Lost City, which enjoyed a strong opening weekend. Both will get a challenge from the long-delayed Morbius this week. Morbius took in $17 million from opening Friday and Thursday previews. Here is the official spoiler-free FF review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Sony Pictures continues its foray into the comic book character realm with Morbius expanding the shared universe it has established with Venom and keeping fans' hopes alive for a crossover with the Web Slinger. I mean, they keep making movies featuring his enemies. Stands to reason that we'll eventually get there. And there was that teaser at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. The Michael Morbius character made his debut in 1971 in the pages of The Amazing Spider-Man number 101. Created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane, he was one of the more macabre villains in Spidey's rogues gallery. Morbius was known as the Living Vampire. The movie follows the broad strokes of the comic's origin story. 
brilliant biochemist, Dr. Michael Morbius, is seeking a cure for a rare degenerative blood disease from which he has suffered since childhood. He finally becomes convinced the solution can be found in an experimental cross-species treatment using vampire bats. Morbius is aided by his colleague, Dr. Martine Bancroft. He is successful, but the side effects of the treatment are horrific. Morbius takes on the characteristics of a vampire with heightened strength, speed, and senses, as well as a thirst for blood. He is able to satisfy this thirst using a blood substitute he created. However, this is temporary as the substitute becomes less effective over time. Later, and without his knowledge, Morbius's childhood friend Lucius, who suffers from the same rare condition, takes the experimental serum. Lucius is wealthy and has been funding Morbius's experiments. Unlike Morbius, Lucius embraces the side effects and embarks on a killing spree to slack his thirst. Morbius is faced with a dilemma. Can he overcome the deadly side effects of the treatment to himself and his friend? Or will Lucius kill him in order to remain a vampire and avoid the otherwise inevitable progression of their disease? Morbius observes the source material. In that way, it's a well-made comic book adaptation. Like Venom, all it's missing is Spider-Man. I'm not crazy about these movies that feature villains or transform them into anti-heroes for convenience sake. But I give credit to director Daniel Espinosa for following the source material. What Morbius has is a lot of action, but it doesn't have much substance. It looks good, and it kept me entertained. More about what I liked. The cast. Jarrett Leto is a fine actor. He is versatile and displays a great deal of depth with the various characters he plays. In many ways, he's wasted in this movie. Matt Smith plays Lucius, also known as Milo, in what is a private joke with Morbius. Smith is also an excellent performer who seems to have taken on this role for the paycheck, although he excels with the material given him. Rounding out the cast are Adria Arjona as Martine, Jared Harris, Tyrese Gibson, and Al Madrigal. I liked that comics creators Roy Thomas and Gil Kane got writing credits. Beyond that, I'm honestly groping for stuff. I like the effects, I like the music, I liked this movie, I really did. I just wish I could say it was a good movie. It just isn't. With a runtime of only 1 hour and 44 minutes, it didn't require a major investment of time, and it's almost ridiculously fast-paced. And there's some enjoyable post-credit scenes that tie the movie into the rest of the Sony Marvel pantheon, so we may yet see Spider-Man interact with the likes of the living vampire and Venom. But none of that makes up for the substance this movie lacks. Morbius isn't some highbrow movie that asks you to think, offers commentary, or makes a statement. The positive is, is it doesn't pretend to be that kind of movie. It isn't filet mignon, it is bubblegum, or possibly popcorn, caramel popcorn. It requires no thought and is easily dismissed immediately after you leave the theater. Morbius is rated PG-13 for violence. There isn't any sex or questionable language. Ultimately, you'll likely see as much violence as in a streaming movie or on cable television. Nevertheless, I'd hesitate to bring the kids. And it might be too scary for the younger ones. An enjoyable but insubstantial movie-going experience. One and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Morbius, starring Jared Leto and Matt Smith, which opened nationwide yesterday. 
film is projected to earn between 30 and 40 million dollars this weekend so now it's time to introduce today's panel joining me are emily witten tom zaller and black gorbachev himself hello philip jean pierre welcome to the show everybody hello there thank you i am so blessed to have all of you together here for this show um i i did notice that uh, there were a few chuckles while the <laughs> review was playing <laughs> burning review just burning yeah well and it was uh mm -hmm. uh, uh no it's just it, it, i mean my first red flag was jared leto but i was just like <laughs> morbius is such a very weird character to try to work with i mean i suppose in the 90s you could probably say the same thing with blade but morbius is like has very little backstory than a, a bad to do with a bad case of issues um and i just i did not know how they were gonna pull it off and sadly i feel your review encapsulates it perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yes you uh, actually said you had the misfortune of seeing the movie <laughs> <laughs> and, and tom and i haven't quite gotten there yet so we were like should we not I do. I do like caramel popcorn I mean, at least. So, <laughs> no, you know, Emily, I mean, if you do go, dose. Make sure you spend matinee money. <laughs> not like not prime time money. Discount Tuesday money, right? Now, see, what I was going exactly. to say was too frequently, people allow themselves to be swayed by the reviews. If you want to go see Morbius, go see Morbius. I'm not going to tell you that you're wasting your time. I will tell you that the movie isn't any good, but this this is one of my pet peeves, though. Okay. See, because there's a whole lot of stuff that is, it, it totally sucks, but I like it. Yeah. You know, now that doesn't mean it's good. And what pisses me off, this is my pet peeve. People will say, oh, I liked that. It was good. No, that's not what that means at all. What that means is you enjoyed it. It doesn't mean that this was actual quality entertainment and people need to be able to make that distinction between mm -hmm. the two and unfortunately two separate they don't yeah right i like that it was good mm -hmm. well sometimes i like to go even though my friends were like eh, because i'm like well then we can talk about it and maybe make fun of it we'll see <laughs> and then, i mean there is a there is a reason why i have seen velocipaster <laughs> There's a reason I loved watching Equilibrium while having a glass of wine on the couch and live tweeting it. I mean, come on. Mm, mm, mm. Tom, you, but you, there there you. are also movies that are exactly what they want to be. It's just not what you want them mm -hmm. to be. Like I mm -hmm. I love Speed Racer. I love Speed Racer unironically. <laughs> but Speed Racer very much wants to be Speed Racer and if you want to see that movie, that is the movie to see, but it's it's not for everybody. It's not gonna. It's not gonna click every button. I feel like when we watched Speed Racer, I woke up from a fever dream afterwards and was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> now I, I gotta say, I I thought Speed Racer because I'm a huge speed. I mean, of the anime Speed <laughs> Racer, and mm -hmm. even as a child, I understood that this was something different than American cartoons. Mm -hmm. I mean, for Pete's yeah. sake. There was the episode where you had to take a performance enhancer to be able to drive this car. I mean, and I'm a five-year-old watching this like, what, what, what the heck? So I understood that these stories were a lot more sophisticated than, you know, Mighty Mouse, mm -hmm. you know, or some of the other mm -hmm. stuff that was, that was uh, playing at the time. But I will say... The movie, I thought, was really exciting, and towards the end, mm -hmm. 
I'm sitting there in the theater and I'm yelling, go speed, go! So, uh, you know, whatever else it was, uh, and and it was not exactly a faithful adaptation, but I thought they got enough right. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, uh, Philip, what were you going to say about it? No, I agree with you 100%. So, first of all, first of all, in regards to Morpheus, you ranked it lower than I did because I was going to give it two out of four. Just for the visual effects alone. Like, honestly, for the visual effects alone. And Matt Smith was working so hard in that movie. Just, like, it's like you were, you're working overtime and this is not even your pick. But in regards to Speed Racer, I love that movie. It is a terrible movie. <laughs> but, I mean, Thank you. But it's, it's fun, like though. Said, it's though, fun. <laughs> That is all you need for a movie. Yeah. Sometimes, like we just recently talked about this. Remember, remember Masters of the Universe? Mm-hmm. I do. Yes, I do. Yes, music was really the good in only, that movie. Yeah, the only good thing about that movie was Frank Langella and Meg. <laughs> hey, I can't remember the, what her name the, is right the now. The music was actually pretty good in that movie. Yeah, but I'm sitting there going, Frank Langella just acted his butt off of that movie, and it's a terrible but I'm I, go I won't have you besmirch Billy Barty U- like that. Union scale. Union <laughs> scale. He was, and he might even have got more than union scale for that movie. But no, the, uh, uh, Philip, the one thing that I will say uh, before, because we're, we're running this into the ground, before we <laughs> yeah. move on, though, the one thing that I will say is using the four-star scale does not give you a lot of wiggle room. And sometimes, I mean, everything can't be two stars. Sometimes, I mean, I'm like, ooh, two stars. And you look at the other movies you gave two stars to, and you're like, mm, I just can't do it. I said, this one, you know, sometimes they rate an extra half a star because of something like, oh, there were really great actors in this movie or something like that. I was just, nah, I'm sorry. I, I, did, I can't do it. And in oh. fact, I very nearly gave it one star. Very uh, nearly. But, uh, you know, again, that's not an indictment of the film. I because, think we should go see it, Tom. I'm excited. <laughs> you know, look, it, it's only one hour and 44 minutes. This is not a major investment of time. I mean, when I was talking about the pluses, I mean, it, it, the, the, there were some very serious pluses. So, I, mean, I mean, the Batman was 14 hours long, so it's fine. <laughs> I think I'm still watching the Batman in some reality. You know? Although that actually was a good movie. I agree. Yeah. I think that yeah. Pacing worked mm-hmm. for the Batman, despite seeing so many mm-hmm. people complain. Your point being, like, mm. don't, don't don't not go because someone's complaining. Exactly. I saw mm-hmm. that ahead of time that people were like, it's so long, and we went and saw it, and I enjoyed the pacing. I enjoyed that movie. I mm. thought it was also a good movie, mm. as well as enjoying it. The the biggest say- critique I will say is Robert Pattinson's hair. <laughs> oh, I can't watch it. Oh, sorry. I, and I know I they did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, so Philip, what were you going to say? Here's, here's the thing that got me, and this is actually a pet peeve of mine. The movie was good, Pattinson hair was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's two hours and 55 minutes. It is not the first time this movie exists. Now, while I'm not saying there it's as good as each other, The Godfather was two hours and 55 minutes. And I don't care where I am, I will sit there for two hours and 55 minutes because it's a good story. That's true. Batman. Batman is two hours and 55 minutes of a legit story that is neither Zack Snyder or Chris Nolan. Like, I'm sitting there going, it's the detective. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, two hours and 55 minutes could be considered long, but let's face it. There's a difference between two hours and 55 minutes of a good movie and then six hours of the Justice League Expanded Edition 
with 14 <laughs> extra hours of footage of Zack Schneider literally but, surfboarding but, down but, trying to surf. But you know, know that <laughs> extended edition was actually better than what they released theatrically. Yeah, it's, See, it's a better that movie, is true. Yes. but that I don't want to watch it. Hold that thought just a minute. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre, Tom Zaller, and Emily Witten. And we have been sort of jumping all over the map. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let us stomp on some of this stuff just a second longer. Uh, because uh, all I had for today, because this is the first live show that I've done in two weeks. And so a lot of stuff has happened. I had been planning on doubling back to some of the news items, but we're having a little fun with this. So, you know, why not run this into the ground a while longer? So uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I think, Tom, you were getting oh, ready to make a comment about yeah, this. I, I thought Justice League, the, the extended version is more the movie that it wanted to be. And it, it hangs together better as a movie. It's not the Justice League movie I wanted to see. It's the Justice League movie that Zack Snyder wanted to make. And I felt the same way about the Batman, mm. where it's very much the noir year one story that they wanted to do. But I mm -hmm. still like Batman having just a little bit more fun to it. Like even even in Frank Miller's Batman year one, so much of the narration has those those great lines, like mm. even in the ads mm. about he's... He's surrounded, he's outgunned, he's outnumbered, they don't stand a chance. Like, there was that kind of stuff in it that you don't get those, like, quotable, like, little bits of levity that would show up in the middle of even a Frank Miller story. It was just, it was all the the dark, plotting, mm -hmm. detective. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, like, I really like the Riddler. I don't know if I like him as the Zodiac Killer, but <laughs> I, I can't say it didn't work. It's just not the thing that I wanted to see. Yeah, I when, thought that when you was really interesting, Gorshin, though, actually. Yeah. 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 Well, not that it wasn't interesting, but, uh, and, and I, I, you know, hey, we, we did two shows on the Batman, so I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole either. <laughs> but I, I will say that it, 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 okay, so Michael Uslan and his crusade to see a serious Batman movie made. And because. When people first started talking about this, and you younger people in the audience won't understand, I had a similar kind of situation last week when I had to uh, disabuse some younger people of the notion that uh, Venus and Serena Williams were twins. And uh, but I, I told I told this young fella I said, well, if you weren't around when Venus made her debut, you might think that they are twins. Mm -hmm. But what I remember was. This, this sister could play. She could play her ass off. And then somebody told me, yeah, but her younger sister is even better than her. And I'm like, wait, what? what? <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. So when people first started talking about making a Batman movie, all they remembered was the Adam West Burt Ward series. And so the inclination was to do this comedic take on the character. And where we are... <laughs> 60 years later, basically, is now all we can do is dark, gritty mm -hmm. Batman. That's all there is. There is no levity. There is no humor. There is nothing. I mean, and Batman is actually a funny guy. Except I mean, I in thought... Lego Batman, which is <laughs> yeah. awesome. I love Lego Batman. I will say, I was going to say, I wonder if Michael Uslan ever regrets that, but I did an interview with him a few years ago, mm -hmm. and I do not think he regrets that. Yeah, I think he's oh, very of proud of not. his legacy, and he should be. There's a place for serious Batman. Yeah, but I do enjoy some levity as well. And he gets actually, a cut Lego. of all of it. Yeah, oh, and, well, no money-wise, I'm sure he, he doesn't regret that. it. 
about it. <laughs> but even even Lego Batman is pretty serious. I wouldn't screw with Lego Batman. Let me say that. Batman Brave and the Bold Batman. Oh. The animated series. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, you know, you know, um, it, okay. Just in terms of, and I'm, I'm going to say this. We'll move on. In terms of representations of the character, and you could actually make this point about uh, a number of different comics characters. Do you remember an episode of the anim- Batman the Animated Series called Legends of the Dark Knight? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful because. You you brought all these different versions of the character to the same table, and then they very artfully tied it all up at the end to remind you that he's all those guys, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I think that a lot. I mean, the the conception of Batman is a lot more cohesive than some other comics characters. Uh, but all of this stuff evolves, and and this is honestly what bothers me about fandom is because fans don't <laughs> seem to recognize, and I've been guilty of this myself. But fans don't seem to recognize that these things that we love evolve, and you can't keep doing the same thing because of the people who are consuming the product, and so when you make these slight or dramatic adjustments for dramatic license or because you're trying to have the thing be uh, financially or critically successful you know it it's all with the idea of being able to do something that is serviceable for the franchise going forward and if we want as fans to continue consuming this stuff, then you better be prepared to embrace so-called woke trek because <laughs> you know this is this is what we have now. I love that. I feel like this show, I love coming on the show because it could also just be therapy for all of us because it's like, (laughs) here's a reminder that our purpose is to learn and grow, not to stay the same all the time. And in addition, a reminder as to how we should spend our time in, for instance, do or do not see Morbius. (laughs) You know, where do you, where do you put your purposeful time? Maybe not in that movie. I love that, Yuli. And I do think it's really important because I get frustrated by that as well. Like, I occasionally will be like, well, this isn't my version of such and such a thing, but I'll still try it. And if I Mm -hmm. like it for different reasons, I'll still like it. And if I don't like it, I will also not make huge... I will talk about it on the radio show, but I won't tell Mm -hmm. other people not to see it. I won't make it Mm -hmm. my life's work to go on the internet and hate on it. You know, like, that's that's going too far. And I certainly... And I want to put that out there again because it always happens to... It does happen to creators. I will certainly never tell creators that they should be, like sad about themselves because of what they did or something well what you're what you're tap dancing around a little bit unintentionally i'm sure (laughs) is the idea of gatekeeping oh uh, yeah yeah exactly and i hate uh, that yeah well there you go (laughs) there you go i hate hate gatekeeping (laughs) and i do think it's important for us to look i might not like it but that doesn't mean that other people aren't going to enjoy it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh philip you sound like you have something you want to say no, I mean, like I said, it's the same thing with comic books. Remember when Crisis happened and everyone was hostile about that? No, I when remember Secret some Wars Red happened? Skies and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like, got evolution, you. <laughs> evolution, evolution in media always is going to annoy somebody, mm-hmm. um, especially like mainstay. So, like the Batman, like honestly, 
I'm not gonna lie. When Chris Nolan's Batman came out on the surface, I was like, "Ooh, this is a good Batman." Mm. As I grew, I was like, "This Batman really just beats up people." And Alfred and not Alfred, um, uh, was um, Lucius Fox is doing all the real work. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do enjoy the Christopher Nolan Batman one and two. Th- three is a mess, um, but I really do like <laughs> Batman Begins and the Dark Knight a lot. But it is, it's a different kind, and he is very, you know, he has a lot of physicality. One thing I liked about those though is how they showed the Bruce Wayne half of things and the yeah. ridiculous stuff he does to make people not take a hard look at who Bruce Wayne is. I, mm-hmm. I love that part of it, and it's some of the humor that Yuli was talking. Yeah about i think we we also suffer from having one like Mm -hmm. i remember like yuli you probably remember like watching the flash tv show watching the superboy tv show Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's all we had yeah my goddaughter Mm -hmm. lives in a world where she can complain that nightwing isn't done just right and in my world (laughs) nightwing was never on tv Mm -hmm. and we're now at a point where like with morbius or eternals or anything i don't have to watch it all anymore like We've won to the point I don't have to support it. I can now feel about a superhero movie the way I feel about a lawyer show or a cop show. And that's completely different. Oh, wait, just kidding. I I used to support all the stuff because I wanted more of it. And now there's Mm -hmm. so much of it. I'm like, okay, well, I don't need that one anymore. Mm. But I do think it's interesting because Tom said this before, like the feel that you need to support the thing. To be honest, I've never felt that. And I, I, I know some people may feel like you need to support it because otherwise who's get? But I mean, I only support things I like. Like there's, I, again, using your time and your and your attention in, in valuable ways for yourself. <laughs> if I don't like it, I'm not gonna support it just to be like, well, we need more of this on TV. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about um, things like representation, et cetera. That I will support. I'm talking about whether I like the actual like property. You know, like I, oh, I yeah, didn't you, enjoy you, watching you don't, that. You don't show. have to put qualifiers on that. No, I just realized know. in <laughs> my head how that sounded when it was like, I'm not going to support that. All. I was like, let me clarify what I'm talking about here. But see, I mean, you I, come I, I from another. Tom, I want to Tom. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh well, all right. I, I, let me say this. I'll let you get the, get your word in edgewise because. Um, uh, being from a different era, my perspective on this is just a little bit different, which is simply that um, I remember in 1976 when Logan's Run came out. I think I actually said this like a couple of weeks ago. I was excited because it's like, oh, boy, it's a science fiction movie. And we are so far from that now. I mean, after Star Wars came out. All of a sudden, that was when there was too much content mm-hmm. for me to watch everything. I mean, I used to see every science fiction movie, every science fiction show, every comic book show. I mean, all of that. And uh, and then it just got to be there was too much. Battle Beyond the Stars was the first science fiction movie that had come out that I didn't see. Haven't seen it to this day. <laughs> what? Because there was just too much stuff. So, um, I mean, I, I get it. But, you know, I, I still... I kind of want to support stuff. Yeah, I don't say there's anything because, wrong with it. I just mm. find it interesting the different perspective. I'm not judging. Mm. If you feel like it, then that's that yeah. good. You well, know. but there was a genuine dearth of stuff, yeah. and that's what Tom you, is alluding you to. You remember right. that yeah. CBS turned down Star Trek because they already had a science fiction show yeah. in Lost in Space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't mm-hmm. imagine the CW going. Well, we have enough superhero shows right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, this this stuff was unproven too. Uh, I'm sorry, Philip. So I'm like on a time train back then. I'm gonna just go back to the '80s. This is literally like this is the landscape of our superheroes. We had the Incredible Hulk with Lou Ferrigno. We had the Greatest American Hero. We had Street Hulk. I mean, 
you want to say a dearth of like, <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, you want a dearth of like, you watched anything? Like, you had Lois and Clark. I mean, Nicholas Hammond Spider Man. I, I did watch Nicholas Lois and Hammond Clark Spider? devotedly. So, yeah, <laughs> and the animated like, stuff. We had the we had the X Men. We had Batman animated. We had Justice League. You know, we had the animated. Yeah, stuff. still, all, all that yeah. stuff was still came later, but. Yeah. That musical mm-hmm. cue means it's time for us <laughs> to take a short break because Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, among other things. That means we are non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriter, sponsors, and listeners like you for the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. But if you've liked what you've heard, well, absolutely, go to Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. The show's not over, but I just want to nudge you about all that stuff. In reality, we're going to be coming back right after this because we got a whole lot more that we want to talk about and so um yeah uh, stick around because emily and tom and black gorbachev himself aren't anywhere done Welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre, Emily Witten, and Tom Zaller. And when we took the break, we were actually talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. And uh, I... I don't even actually <laughs> remember where we were. <laughs> we had been bouncing around uh, through so much of this fan. Actually, I do. Uh, we were talking about the dearth of genre-related material uh, in mm-hmm. those days before the coming of Star Wars, which changed everything in terms mm-hmm. of what people wanted to present. You know, and, mm-hmm. Oh, I just had a thought while we were on the break about that, because mm-hmm. it, it ties into something that we see today where you get, and the gatekeeping thing we were talking about, where we get people complaining about fans who only know the movie or the TV show. <laughs> and I understand the frustration with that, but growing up, I was one of those fans. I like I did not read comics as a child, you know, believe it or not, despite the fact that I write comics and, and I love and anyway. I turned out fine. I read a ton of sci-fi and fantasy novels. I, I mm-hmm. tons, like and also nonfiction and stuff, but like tons of those. But I only had a very few comics in my hand, and they were like an Archie Digest and some Richie Rich that my sister owned. So I I, I read no superhero comics as a kid. But I watched the animated series stuff. I watched Lois and Clark. Mm. I became a fan, and then eventually I got into Deadpool in law school. It took that long for me to read paper <laughs> comics regularly, and yet I thoroughly enjoy them. I'm definitely, as you can, as we all know, a fan. You know, I write them now, and so it's really interesting because gatekeeping assumes that everyone has to follow the path you follow. And it assumes mm. that if you become a fan through the movie or the TV show, you're not a real fan or you're never going to be the same kind of fan. And the thing that drives me most crazy about it all is 
gatekeeping always assumes that someone being there first or knowing the yeah. most things means they love it more. And that's not yeah. necessarily true. Mm. And that frustrates me more than anything about gatekeeping is the wrong assumptions that all of it is built on is that, you know, like I, the gatekeeper, know more about this than you because I memorized all the facts or I was here first. Neither of those matter. Yeah, they yeah. don't. And they use it to invalidate the fandom of other people, which right. is mm -hmm. the worst part. Uh, because anybody who's going to be sitting in judgment of uh, somebody else in terms of the level of their interest in something, you know, but I, I, I tell you what, it's all born of uh, a certain degree of insecurity because. Oh, yeah. Uh, these people who have, like myself, who have spent a lifetime building an expertise in something, uh, who then are faced with the change in this thing. And that was why I mentioned the evolution of it, because that's the part that's frightening. I mean, there, there are some Star Trek groups on Facebook that I've actually had to retreat from recently because the longtime fans uh, of, of the original material uh, are not too favorable about the more recent incarnations and to the point where people are saying all kinds of ridiculous stuff that is unsupported and you hear it when it comes to discussions of the comics also because invariably it all goes to well what's what's all the political stuff about why can't we just have fun with this without recognizing the inherently political nature of all of this material yeah. from the very yeah. beginning right you know? <laughs> and it, it that that that's i mean there's some irony to all of that and it it, it may <laughs> To quote you, Emily, it makes me sad. <laughs> is, is all I could say about that, you know. But you know, you know, you know, yeah, you know yeah, Phil. Reminds, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, this reminds me of Michael What's that? Keaton. Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. I remember when they announced Mr. Mom was playing Batman. Oh. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Thank oh, you. Mm -hmm. The uproar. <laughs> like, like Adam West was, and then they like Mike. Like, they like Michael Keaton was not the Batman anybody wanted. And I'll include myself in that. I didn't say it. I didn't go. Hey, up, me I, too. I was not yelling <laughs> in the street, but I was like, "Really? That's the choice we going with?" <laughs> I expected now, it to be a comedy. Yeah, and that's know? yeah. That's the hard part. Like now we have the internet. Like I remember mm -hmm. being upset about Michael Keaton. I thought it was a bad move because I didn't see what they were going to do with it because you couldn't. Mm -hmm. But you can't trace those comments back to me because they're not on the internet time <laughs> machine. And on top of that, no, I mean, I went no through that experience, trial. and after that, I'm like, oh, okay, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Sure, mm -hmm. that could work. Like, you, you realize your mistake. You have, to, you have to acknowledge the part that happened. And it's like, oh, I was wrong about this. I could be wrong about things going forward. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe one of the reasons I don't get upset about that is I'm terrible at the casting game. Like, when people are like, who would you cast for the ideal cast for this movie? I'm like... I have no idea. Just show me what happened, then I'll tell you if I liked it or not. <laughs> that, that's a meaningless <laughs> question, a, anyway. No, it is. It you is, need people to test and I audition. Do enjoy, and I, I specifically enjoy when someone you don't expect surprises you with an amazing performance you weren't 
thinking yeah. they could do, you and, know, necessarily. And you don't know um, what they're capable of. I remember yeah. seeing Tom Wopat from Dukes of Hazard in a production of Guys <laughs> and Dolls, the one with Nathan uh, Lane mm. on Broadway. He was fantastic. And then I realized that yelling yeehaw as you jump your car over the gorge probably isn't really the acting test that you might think it is. Like, he had levels he was never called upon to use. That is a mm. that is a roundabout way of getting to a point right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a brilliant General Lee-esque drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, Robert Pattinson, I'd already seen his work. I mean, if you haven't seen The Watchtower, or yeah, The Watchtower, I oh uh, no, light, I'm sorry, Lighthouse with him and Willem Dafoe. Well, the moment I've seen that movie, they said he was being Batman. I was like, oh, I got no problem with that. Like, Ooh, I, know, I haven't seen I, that one. It's it's going on my list right now. Thank you. <laughs> it is it is it is a brilliant story with both of them. As, uh, and it's you watch it, just going. I have no like. I won't use the word fever dream, but you literally sit there going, I don't know how we got here, but <laughs> I I got I got to stay for the ride. I can't not see it. So it is like I said, like people surprise me. I, the one thing I will say I have learned is that you know what I give everybody a chance except for Jared Leto. <laughs> I'm okay with that understanding. You know, he's a lot older than I thought. You know, Jared Leto's 50 years old. Is he really? Uh-huh. Yes, he is. Uh-huh. I, I was like, I'm what? Shocked, yes. Well, he looks really good for his age. But uh, yeah. I, I, I digress. The one thing that I was going to throw in is um, gate. Uh, well, and it's just, this isn't exactly gatekeeping, but uh, it, more to the point that I made about the Williams sisters uh, a little while ago, because people. People seem to just rediscover the same things, and uh, one I, I took, gr- I took gleefully. I was uh, telling these uh, female fans who reacted very badly to some of the criticism about uh, Gal Gadot when she was first mm. cast as Wonder Woman, and mm-hmm. you know, people. I I heard people saying, "Well, when Ben Affleck was cast, nobody was you know criticizing his appearance. It was his acting chops, and <laughs> it's all talking about the way she looks." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, slow your roll there, girly, because <laughs> let me tell, let the old man in the group tell you what happened. Uh, you know, when Mr. Mom got cast as Batman, because none mm-hmm. of that was about his acting. It was about this guy does not look like Batman at all. Mm-hmm. But then they put him in the bat suit, and I'm like, well, there you go." <laughs> <laughs> it's like problem solved. It's like you put muscles on the suit and all of a sudden it all works out. And and there's a level of it where comics becomes like sport because we're taught to invest ourselves in it. Like Stan mm. did it with Marvel, DC did it where you know you were part of that fan club, you were part of that group. And I want more people to go if the Cleveland Browns become a successful team, which will not happen. But if that were to happen, <laughs> I want people to. Co- I want people to come to the game, but there's part of me that's going to go. Yeah, but I've been a fan since I was born. Like, I'm not saying you can't come to the game, but I want that little bit of like, yeah, but I was here the whole time. <laughs> like, I'm the reason they had ticket sales to go buy more stuff. I supported enough DC stuff in the '80s that they were able to make more stuff. Like, I do, I, I do get understand that, the mindset. It's like a sense of pride in that. I get it, but that the Cleveland Browns have already <laughs> been a successful never team. Had, never they, had that ha- statement uttered the words had, had a guy back in the distant past. His name was Jim, Jim Brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something. He could carry a rock yeah. like nobody else. Yeah. They were very successful when they had Jim Brown. I would like yeah. to win a Super Bowl TM. 
I mean, and look, you guys, as much as speaking of comics, which I think we were, um, <laughs> just teasing all, um, but I mean, as much as I say I don't necessarily feel the need to support something if I don't like it, I also am having a super hard time. I'm working on, quote-unquote, decluttering, which is what we all ought to be doing with our lives, apparently, and I'm having a super hard time getting rid of any comics, because they're just not as readable on anything else, in my opinion, even though, you know, digital's all right. And so, like, I'm like, well, if I get rid of this I, and I want it back, I'm going to have to replace it. And also, it's mm -hmm. a comic. Someone put a lot of work into this. And, and here it is. You know, so I, I, I'm having a lot of trouble with, like, sorting through my comics collection versus, you know, mm -hmm. a, a fiction book I can, I can replace on Kindle. And I think some of that attachment is to do with my feelings about the industry as well. So I, I'm not saying that that's not something we all get into. So. You need to throw it all away, Em. Oh, throw my it gosh. All away. Yuli, yeah. will you come and do it for me? Hey, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be happy to. I, no, but you know, I none of this stuff that... Uh, none of the stuff that we have today is going to be worth anything at all because there's just too much of it. it uh, Throw honestly, it away. Even even that Help isn't the necessarily industry. the mm. consideration, except for my new mutants '98. Come on, signed, signed. Oh, it's it's worth God. something anyway. But most oh. of it isn't even about the value, like the money value of yeah. of it. It's it's just the like I haven't read this yet, or someone worked on this and I haven't gotten to it. Like or someone I know worked on this, which I definitely should read before I do whatever else with. <laughs> I love all my friends who create comics. I'm sorry if I haven't read your thing yet. It's okay if you haven't read mine. It happens. It's okay. You haven't named names. It's yeah, no, good. no, absolutely not. I would never. I would never do that. But no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's, it is interesting how much value people put on stuff. And um, I'm legit. If anyone wants some Deadpool figures, I love, I love, I love Deadpool still. I'm not at all away from that at all. But, and I love my, some of my really fancy, like, premium, you know, statue figures, but I've got a bunch of plastic toys and I decided at some point I don't need all of these. And so now I'm looking to see, you know, are they worth anything? And the, the question is only how much someone will, else will pay for them. Intrinsically, they're not worth much at all. <laughs> well, the, 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 the comic book value thing uh, goes back to, um, well, and earlier I was talking about the, the sale of that annotated copy of Marvel Comics number one, which, I mean, Marvel Comics number yeah. one is, is worth something as it is. I don't know exactly how many of those remain in existence, but the initial okay. print run, I want to say, was somewhere around 80,000, and then they printed another 800,000 on top of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was you know, similar because, I mean, they printed millions of these things back in those days. And the materials were all extremely inexpensive mm -hmm. and not and meant not a lot to of people let. Kept them. Well, yeah, but yeah. also not meant to survive uh, the time anyway. And, right. you know, paper drives and other kinds of things. Mm. I mean, everybody's moms threw those things out. And, you know, I, I, I believe that there are about, from an original print run of over a million copies, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred copies surviving Oof. of Action Comics number one. Yeah. And again, this mm -hmm. is the reason that this comic has the value and, that it has today. Right. And Action did it to itself because there was a coloring contest on one of the pages mm. where you had to tear <laughs> the page out. Mm -hmm. So it led to be there be even being even less perfect copies of the book. Mm -hmm. yeah. But this is the fine line we all work, walk between, like hoarders and like you know collectors. <laughs> is this is this something we need to keep? You know. But, but people are being sold a bill of goods. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Tom Zaller, Emily Witten, and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. We have been uh, absolutely down the rabbit hole the whole time for this show. But circling back around, because I, I think as good a place to end up as any is the value of the original comic source material and mm -hmm. the way that speculators are looking at all this and I mean because let's face it I mean unless you find a cache of something you know a la the um, uh, the what is it the, the mile high cache of stuff that oh, was discovered yeah. mm. um, you know in pristine condition and at that mm -hmm. altitude the oxidation ab <laughs> actually got the pages whiter than they would have been you know <laughs> something unheard of like that I mean this annotated copy of uh, Marvel Comics number one discovered in a file cabinet somewhere that had been hidden away I mean so uh, it, 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 Search your attics, basements, <laughs> file cabinets, all that stuff. And But the fact that we have the speculators now, I mean, I remember when, uh, for example, when uh, Barack Obama was uh, inaugurated and Marvel Comics did a special Spider-Man tie-in, you know, where oh, like Spider-Man met him. I was getting ready I to say. I think I still have four copies. Let me tell you something. <laughs> People were buying 20 copies of that book and yep. they're thinking, that, that's never going to be worth anything. That's one of the, that's one of the few <laughs> yeah. times I did buy into the hype a little bit. I was like, oh, they've got some extra copies. I'll buy a couple well, extra. they're never going to be worth anything. <laughs> that's fair. You, everybody has got these things. That's you know? fair. And they kept printing them well, because right. people mm -hmm. kept buying. Yeah, if they tell you it's a collector's <laughs> item, it's not going to be. My death as Superman isn't worth anything. But my Dark Knight 1, which nobody expected was going to be big, that hmm. that's a little different. But I will say, interestingly, because you were talking about the value of the source material, and I mm. was just, so we, we did watch Moon Knight, the first episode of Moon Knight, which mm. we really enjoyed, and I said to Tom after, because uh, I will fully admit, look, there are things I don't know about comics. That's fine. It's all good. You know, you cannot know everything about it and still love it and be an expert in some areas or just enjoy it. But uh, Moon Knight is one of the areas where I don't have a ton of knowledge. I've read a little bit here and there when he shows up or whatever. And I said, I was like, I actually love it when they do a show that is based on comics and I haven't read the comics because there's so much backstory that's already been done but I don't know it yet, and the, I get I get to see how they've chosen to put it into this other form of media and how they're releasing it to us, and mm. I really enjoy mm -hmm. that. So speaking of a different kind of backstory and yeah. source material, I really enjoy that sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed thoroughly both Deadpool movies, and I was like, I know that reference, I know that creator whose name got, <laughs> you know, floated by on the screen, I know that thing, oh, that's from this. You know, to be fair, you can enjoy it both ways. But that was an interesting experience to watch Moon Knight mm -hmm. and be like, I know a little, and then I get to see what they're doing. But it feels so solid because of all the backstory and history and world building. And that's why this is the point that it was in my head. We need to remember never to undervalue the people who are creating the paper versions of these, the written and the, and the art versions of these that go into our media on screen. Because all of that work was done ahead of time. And then, of course, you know, added, interpreted, tweaked, etc. by the interpretations on screen but i just i don't know well i certainly on my don't, soapbox about that i certainly don't think that we under or devalue the contribution of the creators 
I, I get excited. And I, I meant more like, you know, people who are paying the creators when their oh. works are adapted and stuff. Not us as the fans. I think I'm talking about I'm talking about the business aspect of it. Well, that's a it. whole nother show. That, yeah. Em. We should <laughs> I mean, do, one, we should do and, one on that and, anyway. Well, and, and <laughs> I'm constrained to point out that uh, none of that is illegal. And I mean, hey, you guys know better than most. Mm-hmm. I mean, really all of you, because all three of you, you know, have done this professionally. But um, it, 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 you know, publishing is a hard business. Yes. It's all done as work for hire. And you understand that going in. And so when the monolithic company that actually owns these characters uh, doubles down and says, well, we've already compensated you as much as we are legally obligated to compensate you. Mm. Um, yes, that is absolutely. Well, I mean, but yeah, and is, is it, is, it uh, I mean, is it immoral? I think you could make a case for well, that. Is it illegal? No, no, I never said it was illegal. And I do appreciate at least now they're adding, like, you know, credits at the end of the, like, the Marvel movies. Well, yeah, but that that doesn't, you don't get any money for that. No, 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 no. It's still valuable. About that. In a different way. I understand that Marvel, say, can't do things because it's going to open the door. They can write checks, but they can't necessarily say why they're writing those checks. And I know that they have been far freer with those checks in recent years. Jim Starling mm. complained about the end of Avengers. He hasn't complained about his stuff after that <laughs> because Disney realized they could write the check that would make the creator happy. And I know creators who have been paid mm-hmm. for the stuff. Mm. So yeah. maybe they should get more. Maybe some of them should get paid differently. But I know that they're at least in some cases reaching out. And I feel like there's some improvement. And I'm mm. not saying it's all about the money. I think the credit is also important. If you watch Lois and Clark and you have no idea who created Superman, I think that's a little sad. You know, I, I think there should be names on it saying, hey, this was source material that we've now adapted and everyone's put into it. So we should acknowledge the people who put in before it was media and I, TV and movie. I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll come right back to you. I don't disagree with you at all, but I think the creators would rather have the money. Philip. Both. <laughs> so the problem, is, 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 I see the twofold problem. Yeah, give the money. But the thing, the point of the credit is not just for them to get money, but you are right, Ulysses, they would like the money. <laughs> it's the fact that they don't get acknowledged for their work and a yeah. regular, like, and then like a creator or like say someone who went, who went to go see Moon Knight and sees a name on it or who went to go see Falcon and Winter Soldier sees a name on it. They're not going to be inclined to go, hey, there's more stuff out there. Why do I go buy the book? Mm-hmm. Like, like right. it, there, isn't, there isn't a reciprocity in regards to, because here's the thing. You can put someone's name on there. You can give them a check. The thing is, that check's only going to last so long. However, if you have someone whose name is on like Jim Starlin, and you go, yeah, this is the guy who did, say, Cosmic Odyssey, one of my favorite comics. Um, no one's going to look for Jim Starlin to do Cosmic Odyssey. They're going to say, oh, this one's like some random name on there. Like, there isn't enough, in my opinion, like the biggest, one of the other issues is reciprocity in the sense that these comic books are pushing the movies, but the movies aren't pushing the comic books that they're based on as well. So it gets to be a, it gets to be kind of a one of those it's a one way street mm-hmm. that honestly I think literally is detrimental to creators and makes it easier for them to not illegally ignore them. But you know, you're blowing them off because you don't care. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, do we do we need to talk about the vision <laughs> and pretty much what what that's based on? Like do we need to talk about one division? Excellent I mean, points. Tom, Tom King. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess Tom Steve Engelhart and Richard Howell. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, but the, the, the derivatives, I mean, because I, I had somebody making the same point about the Winter Soldier, but yeah, you know, but it's Bucky Barnes. I mean, right. yeah, I, uh, hey, I understand <laughs> about like Steve Epting and um, mm-hmm. uh, the writer. I got, I got it. It's, yes. it's embarrassing. I can't think of his name. But, Brubaker. Um, they, Brubaker. Ed Brubaker. Yes. Thank you. But um, look. We're out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my panelists and you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum. It's also a television show. You can uh, visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. Find out exactly when it airs in your area. Or you can just watch it via the website. We've got complete episodes. We've got the various segments broken out. All for you right there on the website. Also, the show is available as a, this show, as a podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. Find it on all those platforms where you can find and download and enjoy your favorite podcast. The show also re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA from 3 to 4 p.m. If you miss any portion of it, feel free to come back and tune in. And of course, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe. And come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.